0: You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church in Midlothian, Texas. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, visit Stonegate-Church.com. Uh, we're in Colossians chapter 2. We're going to be ch- talking about church culture. And so there's a lot of church cultures I'm sure that y'all have engaged with and been around. And the, the, ch- the culture that we create at, at Stonegate here, um, it, it varies to, based upon the person that you see. Uh, and, and the type of culture that we're going to talk about this morning is a come and go, come and go, get in, get out type of church culture. And let me just read you some statistics to uh, to show you what I'm talking about. 50% of 18 to 29 year olds don't feel they can ask the most pressing questions in church. 50%, that's one out of every two. 43% of women don't feel any emotional support at all from church so what type of church culture is that it's one where you get in get your Jesus and get out and and hoping and praying that you uh, are never known that the struggles and things that you are dealing with um, that you can hide them and you can go about life appearing okay and that's where we're at in 2017. And what Paul has to say is a few things about that. and A little bit about the book of Colossians. Paul as you know, he's a student, Wrote a good chunk of the New Testament. And so in Colossae, he sent this guy Epaphras to go and share the gospel. And then the gospel just exploded all over the place. I mean, you you, you could not help but see Jesus moving in this culture. And it's, the fruit is bearing fruit. It's growing everywhere. And so it, you just see God moving in incredible ways. But then on the other end of the spectrum, with every good thing, there's always issues and problems that come, right? And so you see that within this, within this church, you see religious elite adding rules and regulations and um, putting into what is the gospel something that is not the gospel. And so they're, they're saying things like, do not touch, do not taste, do not do these things, and, um, and making a legalistic religion rather than making it all about Jesus. And so Paul sees that, and he says, let's talk about it. And it will press into this idea, which I'm sure all of y'all have had at some point. Uh, why are people leaving the church? Why don't they feel known? Uh, Why aren't they connecting? And Paul has some things to say about that. Uh, So let's dive in. Chapter 2, verse 1 of Colossians. For I want you to know how great a struggle. Hold up. Did y'all see that? Paul, super Christian, says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have. I don't see that in church a lot, right? He's saying he's struggling with something, and he says, oh, I want to come to church, and I want people to know I'm struggling. You don't see that. And it's foreign to us because we do a few things rather than what Paul is doing. One, we just decide to hide it as we've already mentioned. Uh, so you may be like screaming at your kids in the parking lot and you walk into the church, oh, hey girl, I'm doing good. You know, <laughs> praise Jesus, you know, go doing the whole thing. And you're like just massive family, like craziness going on and you try to appear okay, right? So that's one you hide it. Option two that I see is you try to come to congregational worship to the masses where there are rows and seats and then you try to make that the place to be known. Um, And and congregational worship is a stepping stone, and it's an incredible piece of what it means to be included in the body of Christ, but that's not the end goal. Uh, And so what we have to happen, though, is is we see people that walk in, and then so say I come up to you, and I'm like, hey, how you doing? And then you go, oh, my God, and you start to unload on them. I'm like, I just wanted to, I'm Okay or not okay, and then you just kind of move on, but they just gave you everything, right? Um, And then you start to feel judged after that. It doesn't work out too well. People do that, right? And the other thing that they do is they share fake struggles. So it's like something is going on under here, And they're like, hey, can I I be praying for you? Uh, I went to Target the other day and I parked really far away and the persecution was real that day. You know, as you start sharing those struggles rather than sharing what's happening deep down in here. You know what I'm talking about? And then what happens is, is we see those options as the redemption and then our goal is to appear okay while there's still things that are welling up inside of you that are causing havoc And then it gets to a point to where you're not okay. And then it breaks. Your soul breaks. Because you've been trying to deal with things rather than having this mentality of what Paul has, which is foreign to church culture. I want you to know I'm struggling. And I have pain. And I don't have it all together. Even we professional Christians... We don't have it all together, and we struggle. And it doesn't stop there, because there's something particular about what Paul is struggling with, and we see that as he continues. He says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. So the struggle is not just personal. It's not about the temporal things of this world Uh, Let me show you what I'm talking about. In in, in Colossians chapter 1, he talks about this a bit more. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is, his church. Moving on to verse 28. Him we proclaim, that's Jesus, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Verse 29, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. You know why he's struggling? You know what he's struggling for? You. He wants you to look more like Jesus, and that's what he's struggling with. There's this perspective that we have, um, and and, and the perspective changes how you act and how you treat people, right? Because when your perspective is just about this world and the things that are going on and what you can see, then you treat people selfishly. (laughs) But when you get outside of your world and you go, those people need to look more like Jesus, I need to share the gospel with them, I need to actually maybe talk about this, talk about my struggles, talk about what the Lord is doing in my heart, and then your struggles are for them. Um, And I've seen that actually a lot at at Stonegate. Um, Stonegate is a place where uh, you see people, because you see kind of two different scenarios happen. Uh, Take, for instance, like a greeting team uh, person. So you have one person uh, that's a greeting team person. Uh, A visitor walks in and uh, they go, I don't really know where to go. I got my kids everywhere. What do I do? You're like, well, if you turn left and then go right, then go up the stairs, then go right, then go up, you'll find your place. All right, love you, praise Jesus. And you're done, right? And they're like, that's, that's first mile stuff. And then I see greeters here at Stonegate that do the opposite of that, which is beautiful. That a, a woman comes in, or a family comes in with, with her children. She has no idea where to go. Can you tell me where to go? I will tell you where to go, and let me show you. Let, let me go the second mile, and the struggle is you walking a few extra steps, but you're doing it because you know that they will be loved. And they will look more like Jesus when you go the second mile for them. I've seen that in in the guy that had the position for me, Travis. um, He is in a position where he's transitioning. And he easily could have said, I'm done. Chilling. I'm good. Good luck, Tony. And what he has done instead, and this is why we we celebrate someone like Travis today, um, is he's someone that uh, will say, hey, I have some, some people that I want you to meet. I'm going to set up those meetings myself and make sure that they're there so that you can connect with them. And that's the guy that he is. And that's the culture that we, that we, that we want to build here at Stonegate is, is where we're struggling for things outside of ourselves so that people look more like Jesus. And that's what Paul is struggling with. So he moves forward. So I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you For those at Laodicea and all who have not seen me face to face, and this is why he wants to do it, this is why he's sharing his struggles, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. The beauty of sharing your struggles is that it binds us together. And, and you see this filled and covered all through Scripture. Galatians 6:2: "Carry one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ." You get this in First Peter. It's actually really neat. A very popular passage, First Peter, chapter five. It talks a lot about humility. talks a lot about the devil. And a lot of times we stop at these verses that talk about humility and talk about the devil if we don't get to the rest of the passage. So if you want, you can turn there. If not, I'll read it and you'll hear it. And it's all good. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse six. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. Stop, right? No, you get in verse nine, right after that, resist him. How? Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You wanna know how you resist the devil? You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God in biblical community, around people that are struggling more than likely with the same things that you're struggling with, and you're not alone. A lot of times we feel alone, but we're not. And the body of Christ is there to remind you, not only that, but you have Jesus that says, I know what you're going through. And I'm gonna surround you with a group of people that will love you even when you're talking in your flesh that know your heart and will love you. That's why you can come to church and go, I wanna share my struggles. I want to be known because when I, when I allowed myself to be vulnerable, they didn't make me feel judged. They made me feel loved. And when you do that, a powerful thing happens where you resist the devil that is prowling around seeking to kill, steal, and destroy you. That's pretty powerful. So God is in the business of knitting people together and he's always been about that. If you even look in the Old Testament... You get in 1 Samuel chapter 18, David and Jonathan, and they were close. You know how they got close? It's David going, hey, Jonathan, your daddy want to kill me, and I'm really struggling. I've been hiding everywhere. I don't know where to go. What am I supposed to do? And Jonathan's like, my daddy want to kill you. I don't know how to mediate this. This is crazy. And then what happens is people, they come together, and you get in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Listen to this. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. The beauty of the relationship of David and Jonathan is that they were sharing their struggles with one another. They made covenant relationship with one another. And then they said, look at what God is doing in our midst. Look at what God is doing when we are known, we are vulnerable, and we are going thinking outside of ourselves to help one another. God knits them together. And so when you go back to Colossians 2, this makes sense, right? Where he says, I want you to know the great struggle I have for you. Verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is christ so you share your struggles you get fellowship you get unity of the body but you get unity of the body so that you can get jesus that's why you do it and 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 let me tell you that it's 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 one thing to to know about the good news it's another thing to know your savior and a lot of people, we end up, what we end up doing is we, we, we memorize the coffee mug verses and like the t-shirt things, and like we, we kind of pluck verses together, we remember, memorize Romans Road, but we don't talk about how Jesus changed our life. We don't talk about how um, you've been made a new creation and, and you were struggling to, to walk in the spirit rather than walking in your flesh. But I, I, I recognize that God changed my life and that is my savior that transferred me from the domain of darkness and, and delivered me and transferred me to the domain of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and that's Jesus. You talk about that. And so, so Jesus does this, right, when he's walking with his disciples and he's like, who do people say I am? And their answer is, well, people say this and people say this. And, and for us, it's like, well, the internet says this and da, 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 da. And then we flip the question around and, we, and Jesus goes, who do you say that I am? Not what the internet says because we know everything on the internet is true, right? But, but who, like, what has Jesus done to change your life? And then you talk about it in biblical community and you get him. You get more of him. And so so the reason why it's a beautiful thing to to get more of Jesus is because he says in verse 3, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Oftentimes, We treat Jesus as a last resort once our own wisdom and understanding no longer is bearing fruit. And we get to a place to where we try to muster up and white knuckle this like Christianity thing and we try to get it all together. And then we're like, man, I don't see any fruit. Jesus, can you help me out? I mean, Jesus like, "The, the treasures are here. If you are a new creation in Jesus, you can tap into the power that rose Jesus from the dead. You have that, that when he speaks, Mountains move. You have access to that. Where he says all the treasures of wisdom and understanding that are far more superior than your wisdom and understanding, you have access to that. And so when you begin to share your struggles and you think outside of yourself and you're being knit together in biblical community, you get that found in Jesus. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we, we don't just come to church, but we do life. We, we join a home group where we say, I want to be known. I don't want to just appear like I'm okay and I have it all together. I want to turn from my sin, acknowledge it, turn from it, and walk towards Jesus. And you do that in community. You share your struggles to know him and get him. Um, And so let me just give you some pointers on on how that works. Um, First, that works where where you humbly share. Um, And and, and what I talk about that, when when I mean humbly sharing, uh, you don't just share uh, your screw ups, uh, but you share the why what I mean by that, uh, f- for guys, right, a, lo- a lot of times guys, we talk about how, like, we struggle with lust a lot. So we end up talking about, hey, what, how many times you screw up? Man, I screwed up three times, da-da-da, stuff. And then you never get to the why are you doing that, like the heart issue in there that's causing you to do those things. Uh, because it doesn't really do much good to just, like, track how many times you did it. It's another thing to point to Jesus, look to Jesus, and say, Jesus, what in my heart? Renew in me a clean heart. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And you ask those questions. That's humbly sharing, okay? Uh, another thing, I'm gonna share one more. This goes back to knowing the Savior, not just points about the good news, is that uh, don't just share points and things, but share your story. Because the beautiful thing about a story is that people can't argue with it. If it's your story, you share what Jesus has done in your life and how you're you're struggling with all your might that he powerfully works within you, people don't argue with that. And then people can speak truth into your life and say, well, this is what scripture says, let's extract that from there and let's plop it into your life and let it transform it. Share your story of what Jesus has done, okay? And that's what Paul is getting at. You share to know him. In verse four, he moves on. And gives further reason why he's sharing of this struggling that's going on. He says, verse 4, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order in the firmness of your faith in Christ. You want to hear the scary thing? The world and... The religious, they have the ability to sound great and be unbiblical all at the same time. Um, and I love this thing that Francis Chan does, popular Christian preacher. He holds up the Bible and he says, I can make the Bible say anything I want it to say. And it's true, and it could be unbiblical. You, you can take a verse and make it say what you want it to say. It's called proof texting. Uh, Let me give an example. So, So you could go to Leviticus 19, verse 28, and it basically says, don't have tattoos. So people take that and they'll go, oh man, you shouldn't have tattoos, you're a sinner. If you have that tattoo, I see it on you. If you go a verse before, it says, don't shave your beard. Right, you're like, Oh, well, no, don't, I don't worry about verse 27. I only like verse 28 so I can condemn people, right? So you have, to, you have to take scripture in context so that you can understand what it means because again, one, the internet says something and oftentimes we believe it and it sounds good, but it's not biblical. And even then we go to the religious circle and religious people will say things using scripture and it's not biblical, You know who also did that? The devil. Matthew chapter four, Jesus is in the wilderness. What does the devil use? Scripture. It happens that easy. And so Paul is saying that people can give plausible arguments that make sense and will try to steer you from your walk with the Lord. So how do you fend that off? Share your struggles in biblical community. Be in a place, and, and and be careful here. Be in a place to where you're not just talking about things, but you're talking about Scripture. Okay, let, let me show you what it's. First uh, Timothy, sorry, Second Timothy, chapter two, verse fifteen says, "Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of God." It starts there. It starts grounded on this, where you where you take it apart. You look at it. You apply it. Because um, this is kind of the progression that I've seen happen in my life. Uh, children's ministry, you get the what. So you hear the cool Bible stories and Noah's Ark and all this. You just kind of find out what the Bible has to say. You move to youth ministry. You find out how. How do I pray? How do I, how do I go to church? How do I worship? How do I do the praise Jesus with the hands up? Like you just learn those things, right? You get, you get, the, you get how to do things. College is really fun and unique because you get the Why? Right? So, so you've been hearing all your life. Uh, my preacher told me one time that da 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 And then someone comes up to you in college. You're like, why? And where did you get that? And you're like, well, uh, uh, my mama said. It. Like you go about, you know, doing these things where you hear say, and then college forces you to get your hands dirty in scripture and figure out where you found it. Why you believe what you believe. Then you get to adulthood. Right? And adulthood's neat because what I'm praying for for Stonegate Church is we get to a place to where not only where we know the what, the how, the why, but we begin to connect the dots, where we look at Leviticus 19 and we go, that makes sense. Oh, and that reminds me of Matthew 5 where it talks about the law. Oh, and that reminds me of da-da-da. You start connecting not just books or passages together, but you connect Scripture, the whole Bible together, and this is God's message for his people. So you start connecting the dots and go, boop, 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 boop. boop. And then you go, oh, let me, this is your life right here. This is what I heard. This is what you're struggling with. Man, let me tell you what Jesus says. And then you usher it in. You extract the truth and paint it onto their life. That's my prayer. And, and this is what Paul is saying. This is, this is how biblical community works is when you do that. Um, and and the, my fear is, Stonegate Church is that we have um, a delusion about our ability to be deluded. We have a delusion about that. And, and what happens is the same thing that happens to my 16-month-old son. He's beautiful. His name's Kai. And what he does, he can't talk. What often happens is uh, Kai will get in this, in this situation where, uh, you know, he's playing with the dresser drawers. and That's bad. And I'm over here and I'm like, Kai, you shouldn't do that. He doesn't understand me. But I'm like, Kai, you shouldn't do that. And he's like, I'm fine. He can't talk. I'm fine. Starts, he, he opens the dresser drawer once, closes it and he's safe. Then he goes, I can do this again. Boom! What happens? Dresser drawers go on the fingers, two second pause. That's when you know it's a bad cry. And he wails and he says in his non-talking voice, why didn't you tell me? I'm like, bro, I told you. That's bad parenting. But this is what he's doing, right? And so what happens though is, we, is we, we dabble with sin. We think we're standing on our own two feet. We don't get hurt or stung or exposed and we continue to do it. And the scary thing though is even when we get caught, we are scared of or hate the sting of exposure more than the sin itself. And we get to a place to where we get deluded because we think we are all right. We think we are standing on our own two feet because of us. And not because of the cross. Because of Jesus willing and enabling things in your life. Because of the good works that he had beforehand for you to do. And this is why, this is why Paul moves forward and he says, Therefore, verse 6, therefore. Just as you received Christ, walk in him. Let me read that again. This is good. This is a good verse. All of it's good, but this is good. Verse six, therefore, as you received Christ, walk in him. You want to know how you received Christ? Ephesians 2, eight through 10 says, "For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. (laughs) You cannot boast in any of it. And he says, you know how you received Jesus? The same way walk in him. You may not boast in any of it. And the reason why, you want to know why people aren't connecting in church? is because we have people that walk around boasting in their maturity in Christ, thinking that it's of themselves. And then, casting judgment on someone that hasn't gotten it yet rather than loving them. And we're not getting the fact that not only does Jesus save us, but he sustains us and it's all glory to him. None of yourself. None of yourself. So we have to to get to a place to where we're humbled by that, where we're humbled uh, by the fact that that he saves and sustains. You can't boast in any of it instead of uh, what, what 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, um, and this is the warning that Paul, I think Paul is giving. He says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. If you think you are standing on your own two feet by yourself, beware. You will be humbled. Beware. Because the truth of the matter is, Jesus saves and sustains. And he moves forward in verse seven. And this is how you know. There's a bunch of verbs in verse seven. You get rooted, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. Look, look, look at all those verbs. They're passive. Rooted, built up, established, and taught. You know what that means? In order for you to walk with the Lord, you need help. You need the body of Christ to help you and you need Jesus to help you. If you want to walk with the Lord, it requires help. And so how you do that is you say, I'm busted, I'm messed up. I need biblical community to immerse myself in so that I get more of Jesus. And that's how I get the help. That's how I walk with the Lord because he is the one that gets me to be rooted. He builds me up. He allows me to learn the things that I need to learn through the Holy Spirit. It's through him. So a lot of us, what we do, this is the part going back to church culture. We get to a place to where we think this is just church. Get in, get your Jesus, Get out. And, and let me tell you a neat story about um, how what it's supposed to look like when it's different. Um, I the there's a group, the parish home group. Um, they are they're a great home group, and they've been they've been doing this for a, for a, for a minute. And they have the vines that uh, that are about to actually plant, which is neat. But I had a regional meeting with them, and I just asked Robbie, and I said, "What what kind of connected you to Stonegate? Like why why did you why did you decide to come here?" And he goes, well, the moment that I knew Stonegate was the place to be is when I was visiting the parish home group. And John Owen, he spoke up. Mind you, the leader spoke up and said, I am struggling to discipline myself to read God's word. The leader to his group says, I am struggling to discipline myself to read God's word so that I can shepherd y'all better. And then the light bulb went on and he said, this is the place that I need to be. This is biblical community. This is what it means to be known because if I have the leader that, that is not being self-righteous but actually is just confessing his sin and say, I want to do better so that I can shepherd y'all, this is a place that I want to be. And So, so, so for us, um, what we need to do is this is, this is congregational worship is incredibly important but it's just a a piece of the puzzle. (laughs) If you want to be known, if you want to get more of Jesus, you have to actually do life with people. And and this is where we get to the point again where we're not just plucking verses, uh, but we're observing the text together. Mark up your Bible. It's okay if you mark in your Bible. Like, look at it, dig it up. See what Jesus wants to say with you in biblical community, and then you get to a point to where you share your struggles in that biblical community so that you get what 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8 says. And this is, I mean, it is, it is where you get both ends of the spectrum. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, I not only want to share the gospel with you, but our lives. You get both. You can't just go about talking about things and never getting to how it applies to your life. And that only happens when you immerse yourself in a home group in biblical community. So that's, that's, that's my cry for you. That's my prayer for you. Um, my, my prayer is that we, that we be a church body that people see as real and humbled as we share the gospel in ourselves. Um, And that happens via home groups. Um, That happens via the body of Christ. Um, We can create a church culture where we say, uh, where everybody is saying, I want you to know. I want you to know me. So that takes time. That takes sacrifice. But it's worth it. Because according to what Paul says in chapter 2, you get Jesus when you do that. It's worth the sacrifice because you get more of him. You get to share Him, share, share your struggles to know him and then you get to stand in him and walk in him and then give all praise and glory to Jesus who saves and who sustains. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Uh, we know that it would be foolish of me to assume that everyone is okay here. And it would be foolish of me to heap all those burdens on myself and try to shepherd all of them individually. One, that's prideful of myself. Um, And two, um, it doesn't allow the body of Christ to be the body of Christ. (laughs) And so I pray that that happens. Um, I pray that people can find a place where they belong, where they want to be known, where they can recognize that you are the ones that can, you are the one that can save, and you are also the one that can sustain. Because of your work, not our works in our life, but your work done on the cross, and, uh, and the fact that we get to celebrate that you were risen three days later. Glory, praise, and honor to you, our King. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonegate Church, located in Midlothian, Texas. For service times, additional audio and study resources, as well as information about our church, please visit us at stonegate-church.com.